Greetings, soul sisters, spiritual brethren, and non-binary siblings. This is the Queer Ritual Podcast, a place to discuss healing, spiritual practices, guided meditations, and self-empowerment with a queer-minded focus. Allies are welcome, too. I'm your host, Ricky B. Malone. My pronouns are he, they. I'm a Reiki master, intuitive healer, and master esthetician based out of the East Coast of the U.S. My goal with this podcast is to empower others to discover their true selves and live the lives they truly want. Hello, everyone. I hope you all had a good holiday season. This is two days after Christmas when this episode is going to come up. Um, I did end up posting this a day late, and you know, apologies. I was busy. Today's episode is going to be tips for coming out and overcoming anxiety. Uh, now, I have been out of the closet for pretty much half my life. I'm 34 now. I came out when I was 17. So to get back into that mindset takes a little bit of uh, turning back the clock a little bit. I've been out of the closet for so long, it's easy for me to forget how hard my life is while I was in the closet. You know, I've spent half of my life in the closet, half of my life out of the closet. And, you know, this is mostly just going to be framed as advice that my older self could give my younger self. So my own struggles with identity have taken a long time for me to work through on my own. As a mixed-race person and a queer person, a gender non-conforming person, LGBT person, all of those things are kind of jumbled up. It took me a while to uh, even muster up the courage just to say to someone that I was half Asian, because I am white passing, or at the very least ethnically ambiguous, it's easy for me to just feel comfortable in not coming out about those things. And there obviously was a certain sense of anxiety around telling people my uh, ethnic background and my sexuality and my gender identity, because ultimately you just don't know if you're going to be in a safe place when you say these things. Now, I do also struggle with anxiety, although I would say that's for the most part in a very uh, manageable place now. When I was a teenager, I had full-on panic disorder. I had social anxiety and panic disorder. I was incredibly shy. I, I was the, the kind of kid that if a stranger came up to me and said, oh, what's your name? I would just look at them and freeze. I would have no idea how to even say just my name. That would take so long. Uh, because of my own mother's mental health issues, I, I grew up very sheltered. Uh, it was basically like if I wasn't somewhere that she could trust, I would just be locked up at home. So I didn't know how to speak up for myself around strangers. I didn't know how to just do regular day-to-day interactions. It was it was hard. Um, but it's very easy for me to forget that now because I, I've done the work. Um, now, coming out and anxiety are very clearly related because queer people almost always feel a sense of anxiety before coming out. You know, it's it's that there's going to be that anticipation of like, how is this person going to react? Am I in a safe place? What's going to happen after I come out? I don't know what my, there's, it's like, I don't know what my life's going to be after I come out. And all those feelings are normal. 
I do want to stress that first and foremost. There's no, uh, there's no shame attached to coming out. There shouldn't really be shame. If anything, it's pride, right? Pride is the opposite of shame. So you should not be ashamed of yourself for honoring who you are. You should feel a sense of pride in honoring who you are. So to overcome the fear of coming out, you do have to look inward a little bit. You also have to have a firm sense of identity because to know who you are as a person gives you a strength and an empowerment that other people can't take away. I want to stress that first and foremost. Um, Now, unfortunately, when it comes to anxiety, you know, the best way to counteract it is going to be uncomfortable. Uh, You know, if you go to a a mental health practitioner to work on your anxiety, one of the options is exposure therapy, where they deliberately trigger your anxiety little by little until you gain the confidence to no longer be triggered by the things that trigger your anxiety. That's incredibly difficult. I don't want to say that that's a walk in the park. With my own social anxiety, I actually started working at Starbucks. That's what really forced me out of my shell around strangers. And that's how I really learned the gift of small talk with people I don't know very well. Man, that was hard. <laughs> like there were a lot of, there was a lot of sweating and panic attacks attached to that. So I don't want to like act like this is easy by any means. Um, if your anxiety is that debilitating, and this isn't even coming out related, just if your anxiety is that debilitating that like you freeze and you sweat and you, your heart's racing and all that, like it's going to suck, you know, working through it is going to suck. I don't want to act like it's easy. It is difficult, but doing the work puts you in a much better place. Um, I do recommend if you're going to go that route, you know, exposure therapy, you want to have like a mental health professional at your side, walking you through it. Um, it's not that like someone like me doesn't feel qualified. Like I, I, I certainly have a sense of compassion for people that are going through anxiety because I myself went through anxiety. Uh, but it's like, I don't want to like, I don't want to endanger somebody. So that's really where someone who's trained in it properly can help. So let's take a step back for a little bit and just define anxiety. It's one of those things that like most people understand what it is, but to uh, let's break it down into something that's more bite-sized and manageable. I would define anxiety as an over-anticipation of things that are to come or uh, overlooking past interactions. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the saying that anxiety is living in the past or living in the future. It's not living in the present moment, right? And yes, I do think mindfulness and living in the present moment is one of the ways to overcome anxiety. But to someone going through an anxiety episode or a panic attack, that's not very much help. You know, oh, just live in the present moment. It's like, you know, it's like it's it's just as bad as the people who just say calm down to someone going through a panic attack as if that's going to work, right? It's like it's easy for people that aren't going through anxiety to just say demeaning things like that towards someone who is going through anxiety. It's not very much help. So, I want to dig deeper than just live in the present moment 
in this one. Within the yoga and Reiki system, anxiety resides in your solar plexus chakra. This is the one directly above your navel. So it is tied to digestion and it is also tied to the adrenal glands. It is very obvious, right? When you're going through intense anxiety, you can't eat. When I had panic attacks, I lost so much weight, uh, partially because I couldn't eat. And then also I was just, you know, sweating so much. It was like my, uh, my muscle tone went up because my whole body was tense and my heart was racing. It was like I was getting cardio going through a panic attack in addition to not being able to eat. You know, when someone's going through a little bit of stress, they might be eating more. When someone's going through very intense stress, they might not eat at all. These are both examples of the solar plexus chakra being out of balance. And the adrenal glands are also related to the solar plexus chakra. And people going through anxiety have tons of adrenaline flowing through their system, which triggers the fight or flight reaction. So that causes the heart to race. That causes the pupils to dilate. That causes increased sweating. Uh, those are the physiological symptoms of going through anxiety. Now, one of the things that people going through anxiety might not realize in that particular moment is they're not breathing with their belly. When we're going through anxiety, we're breathing through our we're breathing up in our chest. We're not letting that energy and oxygen flow all the way down into that solar plexus. So belly breathing, breathing really deeply, letting your belly go in and out while you're breathing is a huge step in helping with anxiety. There's a bunch of different breathing exercises that help with anxiety. I have mentioned my own favorite is the 478 breathing technique. So that is breathing in for the count of four, holding that breath for the count of seven, and then exhaling for the count of eight, and then you repeat. So that is breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and repeating. Now, obviously, I, I think I was counting a little bit fast, so be better to do that with a clock in front of you <laughs> but all of these breathing techniques serve to re-stimulate that solar plexus chakra you're trying to get that energy down to where it needs because anxiety is actually fracturing the energy body above and below the solar plexus chakra you're feeling stuck in the symptoms of not feeling safe, which is the root chakra, and not feeling confident, which is the solar plexus chakra. And it causes all sorts of physiological symptoms that go haywire. Uh, the nice thing about the breathing exercises is they do kind of snap you out of that over-anticipation of the future. You know, it's like, just live in the present moment isn't very helpful, but teaching someone to breathe, especially breathing with a count and breathing with their belly, that is going to snap them back in inward into their body 
which will help them live in the present moment. So if you encounter someone going through anxiety, just saying just live in the present moment isn't very helpful. But teaching them to breathe properly, it is very helpful. And uh, meditation in general is really helpful for anxiety too. Because you're teaching someone to uh, step back in with the breath or do a visualization. Either way, you're taking up a lot of brain space so that they can't live in that heightened state of over-anticipating the future or over-analyzing the past. So that's my tips for anxiety. It's breathing exercises, potentially exposure therapy. Uh, Exposure therapy is the one that's a lot more tricky because you're deliberately triggering anxiety in order to build self-confidence. But once you get through that, that really starts to lead towards less and less anxiety. But having gone through it myself and without the help of a mental health professional, that really sucked. So uh, that's where I could have done things a little bit differently. I'm in a great place now, but man, did that suck. Okay. (laughs) So now let's move on towards tips for coming out. So again, this is going to be me as my older self giving advice to my younger self because it has been half my life since I have been out of the closet. It's easy for me to forget a lot of the things I'm about to say. Uh, Thankfully, society has progressed very far in the acceptance of queer people within just my lifespan alone. Now, anyone who's listening to this in a part of the world where it is not safe to be out of the closet Uh, that's where I would not recommend coming out to someone in person necessarily. So safety first and foremost. You have to be living in a situation where it is safe for you to honor your true self. If you're not, you might have to remain closeted or try to find somewhere else that you can take yourself that is safe. That's very tricky, obviously. Um, there are LGBT asylum nonprofits if you're living in a foreign country where it's not safe to come out. Other than that, though, it's it's getting out of the unsafe environment, however that may be. Um, that's very tricky, obviously, and I don't think you can necessarily do that just on your own. But, you know, there's resources out there if you need that. Um, another tip for coming out. It's, you got to have a backup plan in case things do go haywire or if things do backfire. You know, uh, in the United States, the number one cause of teen homelessness is being LGBT. 40% of homeless youth are LGBT. That is the number one most likely cause of someone being kicked out of their house before they're the age of 18 in the United States. That is freaking terrible. Um, so that's, that's where I really want to stress, you know, you got to make sure you're in a safe, accepting environment before coming out. If you are not, if you are in a judgmental or fundamentalist environment, it can backfire. And so you need to have a backup plan in case something like that happens. So to come out to someone for the first time, you should really pick someone who you can trust. You know, if you think that's your parent, great. Maybe that's your guidance counselor at your school someone 
or maybe it's, you know, a teacher that really understands you. You need to have somebody in your life who you can trust. In my own case, I came out to my sister first, and then later I came out to friends, and then eventually I came out to my mom. My mom, in my case, was the hardest one. Uh, she, she is Asian American, and uh, she also went to Catholic school when she was younger. So there was a lot of judgment attached towards gay people, and I knew that before going into it. And coming out to my mom did strain our relationship. So it, it did backfire in certain regards. We ended in, in a good place. So that's another thing where it's like, I have a lot of gratitude for how things went now, but it was very difficult. Um, but I knew that going into it. Now, if there isn't anyone that you can trust in your personal life, that's where I would say maybe uh, coming out to someone online is safer. Having a safe person to talk to that isn't in your household or your, your community. Um, that can be tricky too, but yeah, you know, it's okay to live a compartmentalized life where you're in the closet in some spaces and out of the closet in other spaces. Even I'm guilty of that in my mid-30s. So there shouldn't be any shame attached toward having parts of your life where you're in the closet and parts of your life where you're out of the closet, okay? Uh, safety is the fundamental thing. And, you know, during the coming out process, you might end up realizing that your identity is changing more than once. And that's okay, too. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that joke, by now, gay later. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that is true. <laughs> I came out as bisexual first. Uh, I generally, in my day-to-day -day life, do say I'm a gay man. But, like, it is more complicated than that. Some of these... Some of these uh, identities are not very solid and black and white. Sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes things change and they're fluid. So just generally, I, I say I'm a gay man. But yeah, to the people I trust the most, I might say that I am bisexual or gender fluid. But what I'm trying to drive home the point here is that it's okay if your identity shifts from place to place or person to person. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with you if you vary your identity depending who you're talking to. That's totally fine. Um, but the big thing, speaking your truth and living your truth takes such a huge weight off your shoulders. So if you find that being in the closet is weighing you down, it's weighing down your heart, it's adding unnecessary stress in your life, that's where you really do just need to speak your truth. Um, but at the same time, you got to be in a safe place. If you don't think you are in a safe place and you think that things could get very dangerous for you by coming out of the closet, then obviously you need to stay in the closet until you can find yourself in that safe place. My heart breaks for people that come out later in life, you know, after they're married, after they have kids, you know, uh, living a life that isn't fundamentally you it just leaves things so broken when you try to, and then you have to try to put them back together. Uh, I didn't go through that personally because I came out at a young age, but I am eternally grateful for the people that did the work, the activists before me who helped change society so that it was safe for me to come out. Now, I grew up in Texas. 
in the 90s and early 2000s. So uh, there was plenty of homophobia to go around. Let's just say that. (laughs) I remember when I was in sixth grade, I had a classmate just raise his hand in class and say, why can't we just put all the gays on a desert island and nuke it? And like the class got a laugh. The teacher didn't correct this person and say that was illegal and terrible that he said that. It was just like everybody laughed. And, you know, even me, which freaking sucked. Now, at the time in sixth grade, I didn't know I was part of the queer community at that point. So I have to practice a certain amount of forgiveness towards my younger self in that regard. But, yeah. So anxiety and identity can be very interrelated. Uh, Don't just tell someone going through anxiety to live in the moment. That's not very helpful. That's where I find the breathing exercises and tying back into your body help with that. And then sending some love to your solar plexus. Remember, your solar plexus chakra is tied to digestion and your adrenal glands. So when that's out of whack, your whole body's out of whack. And breathe with your belly. We're very prone in the West to trying to tuck tuck it in and hold everything tight and taut so that we don't look like we have a belly. But the natural state of human breathing is breathing with your belly. If you're not taking soothing, deep breaths, you're more likely to be in that anxious state. And then for coming out, you want to be in a safe place and have a backup plan in case things backfire. I hope this helps somebody today. I fully recognize for some of us out there, the holidays can be stressful. A lot of people do have to go back in the closet for the holidays. I see you if you're in that situation. I have been there myself. But if you can finally get to that point where you can speak your truth and live your truth, it gives you so much empowerment and so much strength and nobody else can take that away. If you wish to contact me directly or have your question featured in a future episode of the podcast, you can send me an email at tqrpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, tqrpodcast, or my personal Instagram, Ricky Dementia. That's R-I-K-I Dementia. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, signing off.